This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. Yes, burn like a fire in us, Jesus. Burn like a fire in us, Jesus. We want more of you. We want more of you, Jesus. Would you just stay standing? And I told you we were going to do communion here. And I'd like to just keep the presence of God flowing. We'll go actually back into um, another song. And Tyler, would you mind just handing these down the road? Um, so I wanted to share, share with you from the book of 1 Corinthians. In chapter 11, and this passage is, it's kind of unique because Paul is specifically correcting the church in Corinth in regards to how they handle the communion and kind of what's, what's going on in the room. And one of the things that we take for granted or we don't know, because everybody in here is literate, everybody can read, and so we just kind of take things at face value, but it really helps to know and understand the context, everything that was going on, and why was Paul addressing this? Why did he feel such a big need to address this issue? And so I'm going to read a little bit. Chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 20, it says, When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't worry, this is grape juice today. Nobody's going to be able to do that. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given it, he had or when he... Um, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so in our day, like when we gather together, usually we do communion service on a Sunday morning, right? And we're not meeting in somebody's house. And in their day, when they would gather together, they didn't have a nice building to meet in. They met in people's homes. And usually they weren't meeting at the poorest person's home because they would have been able to fit three people. They were meeting at the wealthy person's home. The church in Corinth had several wealthy people that were part of the congregation that would host church. And some of the some of the Roman and Greek buildings of the time had kind of large atriums. And what would happen during this is like during a non-Christian setting, but during during like a Greek festival or holiday, what they would do is they would invite their friends over and they had a special room that was kind of like the formal dining room where special food was given, served and all of that. And only the elite, the people of high status were allowed in that room. And then the people of lower status, there was like a larger room where they would they would get to go to the gathering. They would get to celebrate the festival, but they didn't get to go in, in the nice room. So it was kind of stratified 
by class and how probably how wealthy you were, right? You're standing in the community. And so what was happening at the church in Corinth is they were taking that practice from their pagan holidays and they weren't celebrating something pagan, but they were treating people the same way in the church. And so the people who had the most money, the people who had the most influence in society got served the best, got served first. And so they were getting enough bread and wine to get literally drunk apparently. And then there were people who weren't getting anything and they didn't have it. The people who weren't getting anything didn't have anything in the first place. And Paul is correcting them and saying, this can't be. This isn't how church is supposed to be. This is not how communion is supposed to be. And so he's correcting them and talking about how communion is a fellowship thing. And there shouldn't be this stratification. There shouldn't be this elite level and then this lower level in the kingdom of God. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so today, we're kind of like most people, not our church, but like probably most people in our society right now are kind of like, tax the rich (laughs) and like hate the rich people. In their day, it was all about like who was elite. And so depending on which group you hang out with, you're going to either like, treat the rich really well, or you're going to treat the rich really poorly. But either way, you're looking at somebody through their status instead of through their being a brother and sister in Christ. Or perhaps it's a racism issue and and you're seeing people through the color of their skin instead of through brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And we could bring it to several different layers, right? Whether, whether or not you're male or female, we could make it whether or not you're educated or not. And Paul is breaking down those barriers in their society. And that principle applies to us today. And he says to consider the body. And he's talking about the body of Jesus. But what's interesting is that he, as Paul goes on, he's kind of doing this play on words because then he goes on and he kind of talks about the body of Christ, which would be us. And so he's doing this kind of this play where he's talking about the body and blood of Christ. And then he goes on, he says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so most of the time when you've heard this said or you heard this preached, people get really convicted and they're like, oh, should I drink this now? (laughs) And they're not sure what to do. Or they get really like, they get this feeling of condemnation and am I I drinking judgment on myself? How do do I examine myself? What What do I do? And Paul goes on verse 30, he says, that is why, Many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. And suddenly you see he's talking about the body of Jesus, like the literal physical body of Jesus, and he's talking about us, the body of Jesus. And how when you drink, you've been viewing it through this individualistic lens, me and my sin. And instead, Paul's encouraging them and saying, drink it through we, not me, through we. Look at the body, consider the body. Consider the body of Christ, us together. We're not a bunch of individuals walking in. And, it, and 
Yeah, we still need to examine our sin, but the sin is the sin of selfishness. The sin is the sin that looks introspective and, and is constantly wondering like, wow, did I mess up here? Did I do this? And, and you're sitting there repenting of your individual sins when you're supposed to be looking outward at the group. Does everybody have enough? Is everybody taken care of? Is everybody well? You should be considering the group. You should be considering the body. And so the correction here isn't what we thought it was. The correction is to get you to look outside of yourself and to be part of the congregation, part of the body of Christ. And then when you partake, what are you doing? This is when we all unite with Jesus. What is communion? This is uniting with him, tasting of the blood, tasting of the bread and recognizing what he did for me and my sin. Kinda, but no, that's too individualistic. What he came and did for us. He died for us. He died for a people. He died for a group gathered together. And so I just, this is still a convicting passage but it's convicting in a different way than when you thought. And in fact, the conviction kind of leads to an encouragement, doesn't it? Because I don't have to sit here and wallow in my own self-pity, wallow in my guilt, my shame, my struggle, my sins. But that's what happens, isn't it? As soon as it's communion time, you start, your mind starts racing like, all right, what did I do this week? Lord, forgive me of this. Forgive me of this. Forgive. And you're just like going through this trail and like, and God, forgive me of the things I forgot or didn't know I sinned. But this isn't, this action that we're taking isn't about your individual guilt. It's about the body. It's about the body. And so I pray today that each of us get a revelation of the body to consider the group as a whole and to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, united with him. And that when we partake here in a moment, we're uniting with him and we're uniting with each other. This connects us, this binds us together. It's not a mid-service snack. This is powerful. When you participate in this, you are participating in something that Christians have done through centuries and centuries and millennia. And the roots of this go back even further than that to the Jewish people celebrating Passover. Because we recognize in this that Jesus was our Passover lamb, sacrificed for us. And so if you've never done this before, and this little packet looks odd to you, this is kind of our COVID safe packets that are left over. So just be careful when you're pulling back. So there's two layers, there's a, there's a wafer at the top and it represents the body of Jesus. And then there's another little layer and you'll be able to take and drink and I'll, I'll direct us here to all do it together. I'm just waiting until I hear all the wrappers kind of crinkle up. We'll take and eat the bread first. And I really hope during these next moments that instead of looking inward you look outward and upward 
I have a unique position because I'm the one with the microphone and I get to look at all of your faces and it helps, it helps me to look outward. But would you, as you raise the bread, would you just look around? And there's faces in here that you know, there's faces in here that you don't know. We've got a lot of guests here this morning. And consider the body. And then focus your attention on the bread itself and consider the body of Jesus. This represents the body of Jesus broken for us. Would you take it and break it and eat? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your body that was broken for us so that we could gather together today. So that we could be united with each other and with you. And now we raise the cup. Just like you raised the cup over 2,000 years ago. And we recognize your blood that was shed on our behalf for the remission of sin. The price that you paid for our forgiveness, the price that you paid for our healing, the price that you paid for our connection to you. We thank you for the blood that you shed, Jesus. Would you take and drink? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in us this morning, God. Thank you for opportunities like this to take communion together and to recognize each other as the body of Christ. As we go back in to worship one more time, Lord, I ask that you would continue to unite every person in this room. Build that connection. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church.